Alrighty, welcome to another Root Issues podcast. I'm Chris Henderson, and I'm with me in the studio today. Steve's been out and about in Texas and running here and there, and I'm here going to lay this thing down for us. Today, we're going to be talking on Root Issues, or I'm going to be talking about unbelief. Unbelief, I know, I said it. There's that word, um, unbelief. When we think about unbelief, it's like, what do we believe in? And I, th- I think unbelief is a root issue. Today, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be bringing from the story of Mark nine twenty three. Our signature verse is that one, and we're gonna be looking at that. But the whole story starts around Mark chapter nine verse fourteen, and it's the um, Jesus heals a boy with an unclean spirit story. Now, Derek spoke this Sunday. And he's been running and gunning since then. And this last Sunday, he, he spoke about just our view of God. Do we have this awesomeness view of God? Do we understand who God is? How does, when we look at the Word of God, how does that impact and affect us? And, I mean, it was brilliant. One of the things that I thought was so cool was he brought in these two paintings of the Transfiguration. Now, the Transfiguration in the book of Mark happens right before the healing of this boy. These pictures, one was from a straight-ahead perspective, like you're kind of on the same level, and the painting, not to... Not to dog the painter, but the painting was almost, it looked like they were on a golf course. That's where the transfiguration happened, on the back nine. And then the other one, it was like awe-inspiring. You're looking from this lower view up at Jesus, and it is incredible. And it just, those two paintings gave you a visual image of how do you see God's Word. And in our story today... What I want to focus on in this sense of unbelief is we get this perspective of a father who has a son who is ill. Now, you don't have to be a mom or a dad to know, like, hey, when a child is hurting, you just want help for that child. You just want anything to bring relief. Because when we think about children with illnesses or any type of disability, it just touches our hearts. And, you know, we we know that something's not right. And so, in this story, we're just going to jump in. Um, the disciples were hanging out and were coming back from kind of being on mission. And they had healed people. They had, un, they had released people from demons. And then this father comes to them, and he brings his son. And now his son has had an unclean spirit all his life, and this unclean spirit sometimes has taken the boy and thrown him into the water, taken this boy and thrown him into the fire, just trying to consume and destroy the boy, but yet the boy continues on. The father is just looking for help, and he comes to the disciples, and they do everything that they can to see it be removed, but it's not removed, and then shortly there's a lot of conversation going on about, like, what right do they have to try to, you know, heal this boy? You know, whose power do they operate in? Pharisees and Sadducees are on the scene. They're always on the scene. And Jesus is coming down the hill. He's coming down from this transfiguration. 
He sees them. He knows already what they're arguing about, but yet he still questions. He's like, hey, what are you guys arguing about? What are you talking about? And then the father comes to the thing, and they brought the boy to him in verse 20. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground, and he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now, I don't know, but I love picturing the scene as it's happening. As I read it, I want to try to picture the scene because I just find it so incredible that, you know, Jesus is there. The father's bringing the boy to him. The spirits in the boy know that it's Jesus, and they start to convulse the boy and throw the boy into this raging tantrum. And it doesn't phase Jesus. He's not phased. He's not in shock. He's not in awe. He just looks to the Father, and he says this simple phrase, how long has he has this been happening to him? It's like, you know, a pre-doctor's visit. Like, let's let's sit and talk. How long has he been like this? How long has he had this? you know, illness, how long has he been acting this way? And I just love that about Jesus, that he wants to know our personal story. He already knows our story. I don't think he was asking anything that he didn't already know, but it's this communication with the Father that is just, everything's okay. Tell me your story. I want to hear your story. I want to hear about what you've struggled with. I am here with you. That type of calm breeds calm. I I, kind of sense that it's a hectic situation, a large crowd. People are arguing. A boy is convulsing, and Jesus is like, I want to hear your story. We, We see him do that also. Jesus does that also with a woman who touched his garment as he was on the way to heal the the leader's daughter. And it says that he listened to her story. And so that is just a sense of just, if we can stay calm in a situation, if if we can find Jesus in that situation, then we can find calmness to live through the situation. Because Jesus just brings peace. And then he says, and it is often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him, verse 22. And then the Father says this, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then here we go into our signature verse, 923. And Jesus said to him, if I can, all things are possible for one who believes. I I love, there's a hint of sarcasm in that. You know, just if you can is kind of surrounded with an exclamation point. Like, Jesus is like, if I can, I I can. Of course I can. All things are the possible for the one who believes. And so today, like, what is possible? What is not possible? Is anything impossible if we believe? And so that's kind of where I want to kind of camp out here for just a couple minutes this morning and just bring some encouragement to everybody because I know we're all facing things that we look at in our life and we're like, that's impossible. It can't happen. How's this going to work out? But Jesus is encouraging us in this story 
that all things are possible for him who believes. So then the question kind of gets thrown back at us a little bit. Like, do we believe? Or are we sitting in a place of doubt? Are we sitting in a place of unbelief? And I know in my life, there are so many things that get thrown at me sometimes to where I'm like, yeah, I'm in unbelief. I am in unbelief. This is not going to work out. This is only going to go bad. There's nothing good that's going to come from this. And I have to wrestle with that. I have to wrestle with that unbelief because I come back to this story. Um, Mark 9.23 is like one of my signature verses that I live by that all things are possible for him who believes. I have a role to play. I have to believe. And do I believe, one, that God loves me enough to make it possible? Do I believe, two, that God will do it for me? You know, immediately the thief shows up and he starts racking up all of my sins, all of my shortcomings, everything that I messed up. He's just showing them to me, telling me, why should my God, why should Jesus do anything for me? And then I have to rebuke that and fight my way out of that place of unbelief. There are about a a billion reasons why God should not do anything for me. He's already saved me. He's already given me salvation. He's already given me peace in the the life to come. So why should he do anything for me now? There's about a billion a day why he shouldn't. But this verse says that if I believe it is possible, if I attribute it to the fact that it's not about me, it's not about what I've done, it's about what I believe and so when I, when I apply that, then I think about like, okay, yeah, I've got about a billion sins a day, shortcomings, fallings, things that don't line up with the way God wants me to live, but Jesus took care of all of that. That's gone. And so my belief is, one, Jesus took care of all of that, so I am worthy of him giving me something. I am worthy of him to help my unbelief so let's go into that in verse 24 the father goes immediately the father of the child cried out and said i believe so the father's like i'm with you jesus let's do this thing i want my son back if you've ever had a child that struggled you want your child back in wholeness if you've ever had a loved one who's been in sickness or illness you want them whole again and so when Jesus is like, all things are possible for him believes, the father's immediately like, okay, let's do this. I believe. But then there's this pause. And the father said, help my unbelief. And that is so crucial for us to read and understand. That this father, in his enthusiasm, in his excitement, and in his desire for his son to be healed, he's like, I'm all in. I'm all in, Jesus, I believe. But wait a minute. There are some things I don't believe. I mean, if we think back to this father's story that we don't have the full picture on, but if we just try to put ourselves in it, I can imagine that he's gone everywhere. He's seen everybody to see his boy whole again. So there's a lot of unbelief. There was a lot of hope before. Didn't happen. There was hope this day when he took the child to the disciples because he had heard that the disciples were casting out demons and healing the sick. 
but yet there was no completion there. So there's unbelief, and the father is repentant of it. And that's my biggest encouragement for us today is, like, not to beat ourselves up when we have unbelief, not to beat ourselves up when we live in the disappointments and we and we try to reason out all of the things that didn't play out, but to say, you know what, I have unbelief, and I need to repent of that unbelief. I need to move my unbelief to belief. And even if I can't do it all, he can help me. Help my unbelief. That should be our cry every day. Every day we have unbelief. Every day we've got scars from things in the past that have marred us and and made us feel a little crusty. And we just don't believe like we did the day we said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. I follow you no matter what. Our belief gets chipped at. And so we have to acknowledge and discover areas in our life where we have unbelief. Repent of that unbelief and then move forward because God is going to help our unbelief. And then verse 25 And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. This boy has been thrown in the fire. I'm sure he's got scars. This boy's been raged into the sea, into areas of water to be drowned. He's got scars. But in this healing of Jesus, I just have to understand that everything was removed. Like if there were scars on his face, scars on his arms or his legs from the fires in the past that have burned him, Jesus completely restored all of that. And when we see that, Now we can see that the father's unbelief was helped. The father received what he wanted. The the father received what he was crying out for, and he had a moment where he had no unbelief. And as amazing as that story is, I have to imagine that the father was like us. And that, you know, maybe tomorrow something else came along that disappointed. Tomorrow something else came along that didn't meet what the hope was for. So some unbelief came back in. And so I really feel like, you know, unbelief can be a root cause for how we live our life. Like we, we live with low and low expectations. We live with... A, a rather lackluster view of life just because we have unbelief. And so I've been making it like a point in my own life just daily just to just to remind myself of where my unbelief is and then to speak God's promises in it, to find my promise book, my promise app, and just take God's scripture and put in that place. And so I just encourage you, like, take some time. Where is there unbelief? Where have you been beaten up? Where have you been chipped down? Where are there scars that are keeping you in isolation? 
Because when we move out of isolation and we move into the promises of God first, then we're carrying a light into our community. When nothing else makes sense, we have God's word, which always makes sense. And it, and it, it fuels and it powers our unbelief to belief. I mean, I've been on staff here for almost 20 years now. I think it is 20, but I am like sometimes like 15 minutes away from just depression, 15 minutes away from just saying, okay, for the next two days, we're just going to stay in bed. And it's this struggle of just everything that is rising up around us and then knowing that all things are possible for every middle school kid that I want to reach and help, for every high school kid that I want to reach and help, I have to keep this. All things are possible. Nothing's nothing's too much for God. It's way too much for me. I'm only asked to have belief, not the power. Now, the power can reside in me through the Holy Spirit. I've seen God do incredible things through the Holy Spirit through me. But it started with my belief. And so I just want to encourage everyone this week to take some time. Ask this question. Where are there areas in your life where you've just been beat up? Life will beat us up. And we have to take that moment and say no more unbelief in that area. I need belief. And apply God's promises. I love giving out God's promises books. There's these little maroon ones that I just totally agree with i love the way it's laid out in the table of contents and if you're ever in need of a god's promises book come and come to me i always keep them in stock they're they're my favorite book to hand out and i always hand out two to anybody that i hand them out to because i'm like you're gonna love this book so much and you're gonna learn how to use this book and then god's gonna put somebody in your life that needs this book and then you've already got one to hand out and so God's promises are the fuel that defeats our unbelief. They are what strengthens us to believe. And so I just want to encourage you this week to think about your unbelief. Think about areas where maybe something seems totally impossible. And then apply this verse, 923. If I can, all things are possible for one who believes. And when we go out of our homes with the belief that all things are possible, we carry a hope, we carry a torch, we carry a light into our community that needs to know that there's hope, that needs to know that there is light, and needs to know that there is something to believe in, and his name is Jesus. And when we believe in that, we believe for all things are possible. So I just want to thank you so much for tuning in to This Root Issues. I know it's a little different, but I just wanted to get something out there so we didn't miss a week. And I really just felt like God was saying, just bring this encouragement of hope against unbelief. I think I needed to hear myself, just remind myself of it, as I've got like storms in my life right now, and I just needed to spend some time in this room just talking about unbelief, to believe. All things are possible for him who believes. I'm going to believe that this week. I'm going to believe that for the coming weeks. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. You can always reach us at rootissues.com or rootissues at ccaspen.com. If you ever have any questions or comments or want to hear something talked about here on the Root Issues, next week we'll be back with Woodrow and myself. Thank you so much for tuning in, and y'all have a blessed week. And remember, all things are possible for him who believes.